We are in John 17. Thank you. Why don't you guys turn to John 17. Is that and, in the New or Old Testament? Um, I don't know, because we just have it like this, so oh, I'm not sure where you put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be quiet the rest of the night. How are you guys temperature-wise? Everyone good? Better with that now. Okay. So I mean, actually, I turned the air conditioning off. Did it start getting hot? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I turned it back. That was... Uh, that's, it's it's all right. Yeah, it makes a difference. Okay. All right. Tom and I are over here. We're like, ooh. <laughs> you doing okay? Yeah. With the air conditioning. Uh, no, it's okay. No, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So, John 17. We we had a good discussion last week. Um, and really focusing on verses 1 through 5. So what I want to do tonight is particularly focus on um, starting at verse 6 um, through the end. So who wants to read? And I like to read all of 17 again. So let's pick up all of 17. Um, especially listen to what Jesus is now sh- shifting his prayer to in verse 6. Um, and again, you know, we're reading through this. Uh, and he even talks about it in these verses so we can hear that word. Um, and so just listen to Jesus' words with this and see if there's anything that sort of strikes you or stands out or in any, in any way. Who wants to read all of 17? Jason did it last week, right? So who wants to do it this week? I'll do it. All right, go ahead. And you have the ESV? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Father, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one 
even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from evil, evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, and they also may be sanctified, but they also might be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me and I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Not bad for a parent, you said. Yeah, I said. I said not bad for him having a beer and a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really a nice reading. Thank you. You know what? He, what amazed me though, what he says early on, he says. But I am no longer in the world. Now that's and this is prior to his resurrection. What do you suppose that means? That he's just not doing his duty anymore, or he's? Yes, he is. What do you think it means? I don't know. I think it means that maybe part of him could have been withdrawn before um, before he had to go through the horrific thing he had to go through. Well, so he says what? He says that he is, which part are you referring to? 11. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Yeah. I think it means the ministry is over. Hmm. Oh, okay. That's, oh, that's good. That's probably yeah. It kind of relates to number one. It says uh, the hour has come. Yeah. Good. 
Yeah, I think that's probably right on. And he's probably not teaching anymore. He's just going to exemplify. Well, no, he does teach in the but, garden, didn't he? Mm, this is pretty much the end of the teaching, oh, the okay. real teaching. I mean, he talks, but he doesn't. This is really the end of that. He's now, it's like, I'm on my way to the cross in 24 hours, as I say. Something like that, yeah. Who are all the thems and theys? Uh-huh. Doesn't seem to be, doesn't stay consistent for me. Remember how Tom pointed that out last week? He was saying how the language sort of changes in between. Well, yeah, I just, I think he's speaking of something different. I was just referring to him using the third person in the first three verses, and then then he leaves it behind. So you picking up like he uses them, and then. Well, is he talking to the disciples all through this? Uh Or is he talking. But then he's also mentioning others. Well, so who is. Very good question. Who is he talking to? Yes. That's he's not talking to the disciples. Yes. Oh, he's praying to God. He's praying, praying to God. So when he, he refers there. to them and they, who are the thems and theys, uh-huh. is he referring to the disciples uh-huh. that were given and, to and him or the, to the other people that also... And I think it's in context, so we find a place where, where do you see a place he, that they well, use the word that? Go back and read for yeah, Well, like, he's, he's referring to verse 20, I think. Yeah, and even verse 6. I mean, I think yeah. you start at verse 6, Dale, if you yeah. just look at it, it says, I have manifested your name to the people yeah. whom you gave me out of the world. Is that the disciples? Yes. And all who have believed in him. So not just the apostles, but it would be all that have believed in him up to this point. So this could be a whole bunch. It could be a whole, it is a whole bunch. It is a whole bunch. And notice how it then says, yours, it's like we just said, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. But, if you're talking about all of the believers, mm-hmm. have they all really kept his word? Oh, well, it doesn't, we, they don't, he doesn't have to see that. That's between them and God. Well, and well I mean, Jesus he, sees that, though. So Jesus, yeah, I yeah. mean, he can, he's praying, to, he's praying and thinking. I think all this has a context of at least, first of all, the apostles. Yeah. Then the disciples that are not just the apostles, and then you can think larger oh, from that. Okay. okay. Um, Yeah, good, good question. Right. But the first because in nine it says not praying for the whole world. Right. I'm not praying for everybody right now. That's that's so, the one thing that really right. surprised me. But so who yeah. is the yeah. who is the world then? Good question. So who is the world it's, it's the, that he's praying for here? He's praying the world for the is believers. really important that you keep world just like them in contact. He's delineating between the believers who are who would be disciples. Mm-hmm. And the non-believers. Yeah, and those I would say, the world here would be those who've rejected Jesus or do not want to hear his message or the message of the Father. So that's the world here. The world is really those who have, and he uses the word, word world, uh, the places. So the world is really that that has rejected Christ. In verse 6. Jesus. Hmm? In verse 6. 
Yes, and ver- well, and not verse and, six because verse six doesn't talk about the world. World comes a little later. Verse line. nine. Uh, first word. So I line. am praying for them. There's your them again to hell. Yeah. So I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. So the world represents those that have not been called to the Father. It re- represents the opposite of them. <laughs> Using language. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. question. What is the difference between an apostle and a disciple? Um, Interchangeable? The, we use the terms to mean, I, so an apostle is a disciple, but a disciple is not necessarily an apostle. So when we think of officially the apostles, we think of the 12 apostles. Okay. Or minus one Judas, who is not talked about very nicely here. Okay. So those are the apostles. Those are the ones selected by Jesus. The disciples are all those who follow Jesus. Disciple is actually a word, a Jewish word that means someone who follows another. Yeah. David. A couple of questions. Um, picking up on what you said about, I'm no longer of this world. But didn't he ascend 40 days? Later, and he was actually teaching. Uh-huh. Yes, and when and the, after he was resurrected. Yes. Yes. So what is the? I'm no longer of this world. What does that mean? Well, In context with the forty days. Because he's resurrected. <laughs> he's no longer in the world. He's a spirit. So he's well, not he's a spirit. He's not a whole spirit that's here. Yeah. Not. Well, then I, I contradict myself because then. <laughs> He said, touch my side, you know. Right. He's resurrected, but he's still bodily. Still so. bodily, exactly, yeah. Does he yeah. have the world at that point? It sounds like it to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't understand that. Maybe we don't have, maybe maybe it's not something we're meant to understand because oh, it's something different than what we... Well, it, it's humanness versus godliness. Yeah. But when he's ascended, he's... That means well, yeah, like Jason, I mean, when we, we've talked sure. before, we've had, used to have the diagram showing the kingdom and showing a sort of split, and we are, we are now no longer of the world, but we still live in the world, but we are of the kingdom of God, oh. so we are to be living within that realm. Oh, that's the context. Okay, so... So, so what, what Bruce said, what, what we're getting here, which is so amazing, and he's letting his apostles hear this, he's communing as one with the Father here, right? So we're we're getting God speak, all right? And he's moving to and from, I was trying to say this last week, and the, to the different third person, and, and it requires us to really look at it, okay? Your son, the son, right? There's there's so many things, these back and forth in here, that and the idea of I'm no longer in the world, He's, he's, this is God. He's living in an eternal time frame, right? So when we get frustrated and go, well, that doesn't make sense in my fleshy human mind, it's like there's a reason it doesn't make sense. It's because it's not supposed to necessarily make sense in that context. In we're, context. we're being called up. Okay, guys, let's get our heads up here for a minute and just see what that's like. And so at this point, as a disciple, you're not a Christian that goes to church. A disciple is somebody that follows, okay? 
So we're supposed to be doing what he's doing. How is he praying? This is what we, and what is he praying for, for us? Seems like we should be praying what he's praying for us, for us. <laughs> <That's very good. laughs> right? But, but these yeah. are those things that are like, wait, that, that is definitely of the spirit. That's not of flesh. So let's get into that. Let's, okay. let's, let me, let me get my, wrap my brain around that and go there. I think I, maybe it's pretty simple. I mean, think he's not of the world. Uh, not of the world means he's, he is living in the world, but he is a Christian and he has faith and he believes. That's the world that they're living in, not of the world of the nonsense, the sinners and things like that. Two people living on two sets of people living in the world. Whole set is all the people. Subset of them is the believers and another subset mm-hmm. is the non-believers. So when he says he's in the subset of the believers, he's saying he's not of the world. He's I, still there, but he's not of the world. I think that's what you said. Okay. I think it just it's more basic than that. He's no longer subjected to the Pharisees' laws. He, he can't be killed again. He, he can't be... So, no, but he said this before he was killed. Correct. But he, I think he knows what, what, what's up. And he's, that he's, he's, he's revealing and he's glorifying God through all through his prayer... But ultimately, I gotta think he knows what's coming, but he's not of this world anymore. He knows he's dying, but when he comes back, he's still not of this world, because he can never be, he can never be crucified again. What does it mean to you, not of this world? When he's saying this prayer? Because, uh, I think ultimately he knows what's, what's about to happen. And think about, um, Think about the context of what's happening here. Here we have Jesus, fully human, fully God. He is, right now, we're getting to listen in on him praying to the Father. That's a question I've got. Were the disciples listening to the Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And I think on purpose. Right. <laughs> okay. He's saying this prayer out loud to the Father. Yeah. But as he's praying it, you got to see, I mean, there's this just mystery that's going on, that he is fully God. He's going to be sitting at the right hand of God. He's now, though, praying before that to the Father. So you're you're really, when, if you're not of the world, where is his focus? It is entirely at, on the Father, who is not of the world. So Another thing a little confusing to me, I think back in 14 or 13 or mm-hmm. something like that, when we first started talking about, he said something, and you told me what it was about, but he said, um, I don't want to tell you where I'm going because it, it'll confuse you and it's, it'll yeah. really mess your mind up. And now he's telling them. But, three, three but, verses later, he's telling them. But he's not telling them directly. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what's cool. They still don't know he's going to the cross. He, he's speaking to God, right? He's speaking to the Father. And, the, and it'd be like, if, you know, just imagine if us all standing here and Jesus Christ, who, again, we, we know more than they did, is talking directly to the Father. So they're writing it down and everything, but it's just like it's bending our brains here, just going, "Wait, what is he? What? <laughs> right?" They were just like, still didn't understand it. Right? Room, and I hear Jesus say, "I'm coming to you, Father." Mm-hmm. And they know the Father is not a worldly person; he's someplace else. What are you going to think? I don't think they have. I don't know the cross. I have no what no. the what the medium is going to be. I don't think they know. 
No, I mean, they don't know anything about the cross, but they know he's leaving Earth and going there. No, they don't even know that. I don't think they even know that. No, I don't no, think no, they have. No, I honestly don't. don't think. In fact, if you notice that the spirits given to them afterwards to bring mm-hmm. understanding as to what this even meant. And he tells so, them. And he says to them, you're not going to understand until yeah, afterwards. Right. That's why I'm exactly. leaving this with him. He'll te- reteach right. you the things I've told you. And that's yeah. reinforced by the fact that when he was, he predicts that they'll scatter. Right, right. Well, he knows he, yeah, he tells them straight up. Yeah. yeah. He knows now, the whole I mean, the cool thing about John that I've loved about going through this book is exactly what we're doing right now. And we're asking the very question because what's happening is we have John writing to us about something that happened in the past, telling us about where they were in the past before they knew what was going to happen in the future. But we already know, like Jason said, what happens. And we're sort of getting then John narrating that to us and also telling us what it meant back then when they didn't know what it meant. Yeah. So you just kind yeah. of it plays with your mind. It's understandable. Mm-hmm. We're all, like Gil said, it's all sort of a sort of a mystery. But he calls us yeah. here, right, to live in the world like him. He says, you're called, all of us who believe in him are called into the world, in the world, but we are not to live of the world. Yeah. There is a tension we yeah, have. You're right. You have to broker with the writing the Bible. Chronology is very important. The what? The time frame. The chronology. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I guess I'm saying is, it's like you've got a chronology going on where you're sort of mixing the times where you have a narrator and you're having these people who are, don't know what's happening and you're just... Well, like some of the movies we see today, we yeah. see the punch when I run a truck. Right, right. And it's like, a, it's like a narrator of a fiction book even or something. They're narrating for you, telling you what it means, but the players in the book don't know. Building it up to the climax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric. <clears throat> I'm, I want to go a little bit more higher and look more globally just for a second mm-hmm. and then ask a question. So you have the whole Old Testament and all the lineage and all of the things that were happening. And God selected people to be leaders during the Old Testament. Right. Right. And so what occurs to me is, is that there were a lot of false prophets. There were a lot of false gods. There were a lot of cannon fodder all along the way. <clears throat> but Jesus is the one that comes and introduces mankind to God himself. He's the messenger. He's not uh, delegating it to anybody else, to Moses or anybody else, that Jesus is God, and he's there for the sole purpose of introducing everybody to God the Father. You see that here, you hear Jesus say that over and over again. I'm here because I reflect the Father. There you go. So you want to know the Father? His mission is to introduce him to God the Father. Amen. Okay. Well, it even says that. That's the whole point of what it just says right here in verse... um, It says, I have mastered... So he's praying to the Father. Right. He says, I have manifested... Which again, everybody, does not mean what it means in the world today. It means revealed. I have revealed your name, which is God the Father's name, to the people who you gave me out of the world. When it says your name, what that means is the wholeness of who you are. So when when the word your name is used, it is the personal fullness of who God the Father is. He 
is revealing God the Father to others, and there's only one person that can do that. Well, Jesus. Yeah, but that name thing is Jesus Christ. Well, the name here he's referring to in context, your name is the Father. That you gave me. Right, but I'm just saying in this sentence right here, I have manifest. You're going to see it used other places, okay? Uh, No, I have manifested your name. Jesus is saying that I have manifested. Who's your? Yes, Father. (laughs) This this, again. So in this whole thing, is he's he's weaving the name that you have given me. Everything that you've given me has come. uh, You have given me. Right? Everything that I have is from you. That my name, Jesus Christ, that's the manifested name that is the name of the Father that we from this point forward will know God as. Right. I, I'm not quite certain that's correct. Oh, read, just and, and keep I think reading that, it. Well, I think that we, here we go again, you know. Picking it. Don't mess me up. No, this is good. I mean, this this is what we do. We wrestle with it. Well, we, we pick at it, though. Uh, you must. But, yeah. What, what should we do? Blaze over it? Yeah. <laughs> <Your brain. laughs> no, but I, I, I mean, I think uh, his Yahweh, they didn't know who Yahweh was. They just knew he, it was the name for him that could not be described. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus' name was Yeshua, mm-hmm. so that's that's not the same. Or are we supposed to make the leap and and think that that's what he was saying? I mean, it, it doesn't sound like that's what he was saying. It sounds like he was because he had spoken about the Father. And that they could see him exemplifying the Father. But he didn't say he was the Father. No, he does not say he's the Father. But he says, you only will know the Father through me. So the only way you know, and by know, there's a fullness of the name of the Father. The only way you can know the Father is through Jesus. So he equates, he doesn't say, I am the Father. He says, I am. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Which is... I am Yahweh, actually, so we're going to get really confused there. I said this last week, but I'm going to repeat it. Keep, keep it simple, stupid. You know, we're, we're digging too deep. You know, and if you just, my opinion. Why? Because I think I've got it in my head exactly what happened. You know? well, have and you I've got it? all these conversations. It's kind of. I do think we overanalyze it. The question we have to ask is. Okay, is it is it how you've got it ahead the way you want it to be or the way it is? In fact, it's the way you've explained it to me. Mm-hmm. Greg explained it, everybody's talking in this room. You know? All right, so I want to go move on. Hey, can, I, were, can, can I ask one question? Yeah. Quickly? Did every criminal get executed by the cross or other methods? No, other methods. I'm sorry? The, other, other myth, there were other methods. Lots of what did, what did it just the cross, the cross was the most... The worst. cross was used... Mainly for those of insurrection, who were ones who went against the Roman government. So ones who were trying to to get other people to go against the Roman government. Those were particularly the ones that would go to the cross. Um, but it wasn't the only way to, to die. During the, it was the most horrendous way to well, die. So that brings another question. So Jesus against the government, Roman government? 
He was perhaps he was against the government. He was talking against the government. They were no. under Caesar. What is Caesar's? He, yeah, he, he was. A, he wanted us to obey the authority. It was the people that told told Pilate crucify him. Right? Yeah, and that's what he said. The, it was Caiaphas and, yeah, and, and, and the Sanhedrin. Yeah. Um, the government planted did not want to crucify Jesus. Right. Originally, he didn't think he would deserve yeah. to be, yeah, yeah. but the Jew, the Jewish leaders, I want to be specific, yeah. said crucify, crucify. It didn't seem like Pilate wanted to crucify him at all. Like, yeah, I, him. I don't, I, no, I, you totally get that sense. Although he ended up being culpable because he could have. Then, like, yeah, Jesus said, like, you're, said, like I'm not else going to. Is worse or something like that. He tried to wash yeah. his hands of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you can't do that. It's kind of a yeah, and very much so. Well, because if Pilate, here's a problem. If Pilate went against the Jewish leaders, then there would have been an uprising. And guess who, guess who gets blamed for that? By Caesar, Pilate gets blamed. So, well, and the Jews were using the fact that it was Passover. Yeah. And there was this, this and unbelievable millions of Jews who were going to be swelling into Jerusalem right then. So it's like, hey, if you don't want a real problem on your hands, do what we tell you to do. So yeah. was, All right. So uh, just yes. uh, to dovetail uh-huh. on that whole discussion, and you know, with, with Jason's point, um, at the end of verse ten, Jesus is kind of acknowledging back to Isaiah where. Isaiah 42, I, I am Yahweh, that is my name, I will not give my glory to another. Mm-hmm. At the end of verse 10, he says, I'm, uh, well, he's saying, all are mine, all, yours are mine, and I am glorified. Yeah. So if God does not, Yahweh's not sharing his glory, God doesn't share his glory, why is Jesus being glorified? He, he, he's showing his divinity. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. He's saying, yeah. he says multiple times in here, this, the glory that I have before the creation of the cosmos. It says this multiple times. And you're absolutely right. This is There's a lot that goes right back to Isaiah in, in this one. And, uh, you know, on the tail end of verse 10 right there, there are S-E-C-T, sects. There are various sects out there that will not acknowledge the divinity of Christ. They, mm-hmm. they just won't say that they're working against all that. Right. And that's totally bald face in their face. Because he's saying, I am being, I am glorified. He is glorified. Right. right. Yeah. So if I, that brings uh-huh. a question. Um, what, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask the question. What does that mean? What is, how, how will he be glorified? He's asking God in verse 1, glorify thy son. How is Jesus going to be glorified? It's coming. Yeah. True. Is it, are you done? Is there more? That's the only thing that matters. There's something that matters much more than being crucified. Well, I'm saying in addition to being crucified. Resurrected. Resurrected. That's the glorification. And there's even something beyond the resurrection. Yeah. That means you're glorified. The ascension. Because the ascension, ultimately, that's when the full glorification happens. Because Jesus is still resurrected, but still on earth. He has to go to the Father and be sitting at the right hand of the God, Father, and now that's that full glorification is taking place. Um, so, so the whole going, thing is... So I've never heard that. So glorification is the resurrection. And 
the, and the ascension and the, ascension. And the cross. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, yeah. There's, there's, yes, there's three stages so, of it. He's saying, glorify me for doing the work that you sent me here to do. Yeah. I've succeeded in this work. Now, again, he still had to go through the crucifixion, but he already knows he's going to complete that. So he says this is for, for that. And the cross is, the irony is the cross is the glorification, the beginning of the glorification of Jesus. Right. Yeah. What? What does he say? I didn't quite read. What does he say about the disciples? They glorify them through me or something? Well, I think that's... They are going to glorify him, and he's asking them to be able to come. So this the next level of glorification is when he's sitting back at the right hand of the Father at the throne, where he has always been, except for this mission he'd been given from the beginning also to come down and do this on the face of the earth. So, and he's asking that we, that his, that his people that he, God the Father has given him, will also be there to experience his glory in the presence of God. So think of Greg teaching us over the years about inclusio. And isn't that the bookends? So, let's look at the bookends of this chapter. And, you know, as Jason was saying, all of this is very meaty and, and it is for me, anyway, difficult to understand, and it, and we should dive in. But let's just go to the inclusio. What's the whole purpose of this chapter? The purpose of this chapter is Jesus in the first verse saying, and he's asking God to glorify him. Your mind explodes right there. Aren't they? Aren't they like this? Don't they know the beginning from the end? Don't they have a plan? Isn't God on board? Why is Jesus asking him to glorify him? That's a, that's a question. That's a question I can't answer, and we can talk about it. But let's, let's, yeah, no, you've asked a lot of questions. Hang on. Yeah, hold on, because it's good. The way he's going to go with this. Glorify thy son, that thy son might glorify thee. So he's passing it on in humility. Looks, I have a purpose. I, I don't want the glory. I'm doing it to glorify you. And this is going to be a sign that all those you've given me will have eternal life. This is. I'm asking God, God, glorify me so that those you've given me may have eternal life. That's the cycle right there. And it goes right to the Ecclesio to verse 25 at the very end. Father, the world knew thee not. I knew thee these that thou didst send me, and I made known to them thy name, and will make it known that thou, that the love wherewith thou lovest me, the same love may be in them and I in them. He's, he's bringing, bringing it home with the salvation of those who believed in him. They believe in him because he was glorified. We're all believing in Jesus because he was glorified. Not because he said great things, not because we studied this book. It's that spiritual miracle. And and God's and Jesus and God are orchestrating this in that verse one, saying, Here's what we're gonna do, God. You're gonna glorify me now, and we know why. So why, why in the garden would he ask for it to be taken away? Can we talk about that last week? And it was, it's fascinating because, as, as Greg said, he was fully man. Yeah. You have the fully we're, man, we're, fully human intention there. And he had to. I mean, he had to. That struggle really just sort of says it all. Because he's saying, I don't, in his humanness, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do what you, your will, Father, because ultimately him doing that in his fully human state is what allows us to be fully forgiven through the cross. Right. In his human state, 
in his human state as a kid if he cut his finger while doing carpentry. He was like Jeff and said, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, how does that apply? I don't get where you're going. He understood what pain is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, if we could do this some other way, besides me getting a nail driven through my hand and a spear stuck in my side and being hung on a cross, let's, isn't couldn't we not do it this way? Yeah, I'm totally willing yes. to do it, but if there is a way to do that, maybe pain Honestly, part. isn't that where we all are in small totally. ways and big ways? If we're just sure. like, I don't, I don't exactly. want to do your will, God. But isn't is there an easier yeah. way? Gil, Gil, that question was cool. And with Tom, I thought, why? Why, why all that? Because he had, why did he say this prayer out loud? Why did he do the that prayer in the garden out loud. All these were all to be recorded. These were all that was all for us. So that we we can understand how to struggle through our difficulties and, also, the, and our weaknesses. Also, um it's hard to make words out of this. Um, if he wasn't man who sweated blood and asked to be for the cup to be taken away from him, we would think that he was ethereal, and he felt no pain, and that it wasn't that big of a... We would have thought, well, it was written, and it was a, it's a spiritual issue. It was easy for him. Right. Yeah. We would think it would be easy for him. Yeah, without... Yeah, hey, if I was Jesus, I'd go to the cross. Without that... I'm going to be resurrected. Exactly. Right. Without that, you could say, well, he knew he was the Son of God, so the cross isn't a big deal. Right. And endured the shame as part of Scripture, and that's a big one, too. It's like, yeah. okay, he's up there naked. All and all of evil's laughing at him. He has a lot of shame. Yeah. So Hebrews, just what you guys were saying, Hebrews four fourteen would not be able to be said if it wasn't for what we're talking about, which is how and which hits us today. Which is therefore, since we have a great high priest, why a great great high priest? Because Jesus was glorified on the cross, glorified through the resurrection, glorified in the ascension, because he is now our great high priest. That's who Jesus is now. Okay? So he says, Since therefore we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, there we go, from being unearthed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. This will be confessed. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But, so this really is the answer to your question, Gil. But one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Mm -hmm. And that is the ultimate temptation was to come, take it from me. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. This is why we can pray like Jesus said to the Father, because now we can approach the throne with boldness, so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Does anybody need help in time of need and mercy? We have a God with Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God, who was glorified, so we today can pray those prayers to the Awesome. And he hears those prayers. Um, Eric. Can you say that the 40 days served as a, a catalyst 
to solidify everything that was said before. Uh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Because yeah. without, so without that, the 40 days yeah. and him coming back and people seeing him, right. a lot of this could just slide by. We might not have the motion paid. Very necessary. Right. Without, to solidify everything that happened. Yeah. Without the return. <clears throat> Those guys all scatter. They all go, we'll believe, you know, we'll die for you. We'll die for you. Yeah. Until he was on the cross. And then they all took a hike out of town. <laughs> Before that. Yeah. yeah. They were yeah. gone, man. I, I don't want to. Soldiers came and they went. I mean, the Romans were famous for, for telling other countries. Uh, remember this country over here? There were 50 miles of crosses with every soldier that we captured. So, why don't you send us some gold <laughs> instead of having us come do the same thing to you? <laughs> and usually they did. The art of war. They just said, oh yeah, uh, I think we need to send you some gold. <laughs> yeah. I have I have something on my heart for a minute. Let's take just an instant pray for God. Well, let's just keep well, continuing yeah. our discussion. We'll pray for him at the end. He's just, he, he does this. He goes... I know, but I sure. Think, go ahead. I don't think Greg wants to interrupt this thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. I just want go ahead. To, I yeah. Keep going. So we can pray. We did pray for Rod before you got here, by the way. So, what, how would so. you describe the, the purpose of the forty days then? To prove the ascension that was, was real. That was like catalyst res- yes. to yeah. resin. It, it solidified everything that led up to it. Yeah. Okay. Well, every one of those guys wound up dying. Upside down, burned. Yeah, and, and I mean they willingly. they went Except they no. went through terrible time mm-hmm. willingly because they finally really knew it. because of the forty days. Right. We would be just like the apostles yeah. if we if he came back and turned water into wine or raised the dead. We would all say, "Yeah, we believe." Until we were facing the cross ourselves, and then we'd go, nah, I'm out of here. But those guys really believed because of this. I mean, this is... And they talk about, you know, at least 500 men, which means could be a whole lot more people, right, who actually saw him in a resurrected state, which really goes along to just validating. And I do think, during those 40 days, I can't tell you this for sure, like people like John... I mean, all this revelation to be able to have what we have in the New Testament, I'm sure Jesus really brought understanding to a lot of them as to this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody else that did, just make sure. Did, did all of them die? Do, do we have a record that all of them died that way? Did all of them? I think all there was probably only one or two that didn't. Yeah. There's, there's, um, there's debate. We, we, we don't have a for certain as to how certain people died okay. or not. We have tradition that people think that they know how. Like the tradition that Peter was, you know, died upside down. Upside across. down across, yeah. do, do we have historical proof of that? No, but we have tradition that says that's what's happened. So do we know for sure? I would say no. But it's very possible it could have happened. Is there a significance to the number 40? Yes. What is it? Well, 40 days and 40 nights. Um, 40 is the number of days. Everyone can help me here. 40 days. The flood. 
the flood. There's so forty is a number in the Bible that represents a, a period of time. So there's a whole lot of events that happened over 40 days, 40 nights. There's one of those numbers that speaks of a whole thing happening. But the, what we're talking about, it was it was from his, his resurrection. Yeah, it was the Passover to the next festival, which is what I'm blanking on it. But anyways, that it was it was at a specific time that was geared towards the Jewish right. Uh, Calvin. Yes, Calvin. Yeah. Yeah. He, he clearly didn't make himself present in, in front of the Pharisees. Oh, I'm sure he did. Then <laughs> I just don't understand why they still are waiting for a Savior then. Well, when you, when you say the Pharisees... They're, so they're full of lies. Yeah. Why, why do people do terrible things even though they know they're doing them? I don't have a good answer for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're full of lying. That's yeah. why. Yeah, so I mean, I so there are Pharisees, you know Nicodemus, there are Pharisees who did believe. So when we say the word Pharisees, that's a that's a job position. And so we can't really like holistically say all the Pharisees this or all the Pharisees that. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of, probably a lot of Pharisees who did believe in Jesus after the resurrection, who maybe didn't before. Um but there was a lot that didn't. There was Jews that did believe, and there were Jews that didn't. I mean, the early church was made up of almost all Jews before Paul came along and started spreading it to the Gentiles. Um, so the first early church was Jews uh, who believed. I don't want to sound blasphemous. It yeah. sounds like a Princess Bride thing where he was mostly dead at the rise. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's no. It's insane. Well, they witnessed it, and... and I mean, I guess it's part of the whole thing, but it just seems insane that they wouldn't have bowed down after that. Well, you know, that's knows how Jesus did all these miracles, and did not everybody believed when he turned water into wine, which yep. is a, one of the greatest miracles of all. Um, when he healed people, when he rose Lazarus from the dead, some believed and some didn't. And he, so it, again, it goes. All the way back. So everything in this prayer is also designed, and all of John is also knowing the Father, knowing that he's the one true God, knowing Jesus Christ was sent. Not just knowing Jesus Christ, knowing he was sent. All those things are proving the Bible. They're proving the truth of the Word. They're going all the way back to the beginning and proving that truth. So that's why he takes so much trouble to explain to the Father that, hey, these guys have learned. They have come to know the truth about you through me, through the word that you gave me, right? He goes through this whole laborious thing to explain that, and that the whole Bible proves this out. But if you don't believe the Bible, <laughs> and, and so through the Bible, it's proving itself over and over and over again. Because if you don't believe the Bible, then none of this stuff... Even it's just mythology, yeah. right? Yeah. So on that note, may I read something out of Isaiah on the the bookend, right? The, yeah, um, yeah, I give you yeah. permission. Thank you. Uh, so uh, so twenty six. <laughs> he sort of condenses yeah. the thing. I made. I'll what are you reading? I'm reading uh, John twenty six quickly again. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known mm-hmm. that. The love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Okay, so, Isaiah 55, 
boy, it's hard to read in the slide. Ten. <laughs> For as the rain... Your hair's getting gray there, Jason. I know, rapidly. <laughs> For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. An everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Nice. Um, what was that? That's Isaiah what? That was Isaiah 55, 10 through 13. There's a song made from that that I love. Mm. Mountains and the hills go... Yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not a singer. Yeah. <laughs> um, Did I hear you say you Yeah, let me... Before... What? The 500 people were killed also? No, 500 people... So Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 talks about how at least 500 people saw the risen Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I understand. But I thought you said something about they were... Oh, about dying, I was talking more about, I think what Gil was talking about is the apostles, do we know how they died? How they I thought died. you meant Paul yeah, yeah. Was too. Yeah. So, go ahead, Tom. Uh, this is kind of moving on. It would be interesting to talk about it, maybe. <clears throat> verse 2 and verse 8. And in verse 2, he's, Jesus is saying to God, all that you, all those you have given to me, him, he's using the third person, will receive, receive eternal life. So God gives souls to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus gives them eternal life. Okay. And in verse 8, he says, all the words which you gave to me, which fits in just with what you were saying to all the words you gave me, I have given to them. So, God gives Jesus souls, eternal life. God also gives Jesus words, and Jesus gives the words to us. So there's a pass-through. Eternal life and words. Like the one word begets the other. Pardon? And one begets yeah, the other. I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's a nice parallel surge, you know. It's, and it, it's kind of a reach for me, anyway, to think, well, weren't those Jesus' words? <laughs> Came from his father. Aren't, aren't our souls, um, who do our souls belong to? Jesus, but that's because God gave them to Jesus. Jesus right. Well, yeah. God, yeah. now, you got to remember. That's verse... This, this I'm, not saying, saying, I'm, not, that. I'm not saying that, I'm just saying verse 2 says. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Right, right, yeah. I can delegate. Yes, that's right. right. So before, I just want before you. So Eric, go ahead because I. <clears throat> I'm kind of having a flashback, <laughs> and Come back. Uh, and I'll use it as a metaphor. So you go through two and a half, three years of training, and <laughs> you learn to use the airplane as a weapon, and all the different 
things you can drop and all the tactics and everything that you need to know is all there. And I relate that to the disciples being with Jesus the whole time. That they see that, they understand it, that's what brings them along. But what happens is, is when you arrive heaven, uh, on Yankee Station, and it's time to load up with live ammunition, and it's time to engage, and there's no guarantees, and they're going to shoot back, and they're going to try and kill you just as much as you're going to try and kill them. What happens is all of that training behind all of a sudden goes on the line. And if you go into combat, you change. Because now it's time to come to Jesus and believe all that training and all that other stuff that brought to you that point. And there's a significant transition that happens between your two ears that you never come back from. And um, I see that as the purpose of the 40 days. That they've seen, they've had all two, three years of training. <clears throat> they've seen the crucifixion, crucifixion. And then for 40 days, it's confirmation. And now it's time to make that decision and to go with the proof that's right in front of your eyes. Before yeah. the ascension. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Before it's too late. Yeah. yeah. But there's a definite time where, you know what, it's not safe to go forward, and I can't stay here because that's not what I got trained for. And it's between a rock and a hard place. And once you make that decision, uh, it changes you. Yeah. Better, um, better for us the 40 days is where the ammunition is Exactly. Yeah. All right. Anybody else who hasn't said anything or comments or... You know, you're talking about the, the 500 witnesses. So when Christ, the maker of all things, rises from the dead, there just happens to be some graves that also open and people are popping up, which is yeah. just... I yeah, yeah. still haven't really ever found my head around that. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that's probably where everybody gets zombie movies from. <laughs> yeah. That happened like once he dies. Yeah, so it like says, that it only either? says, it's funny, it really is an interesting verse, because it's only, I think in one gospel, I think it's in Matthew, okay. and it says, if, I, if I'm right about this, and it says that when Jesus died on the cross, that a couple things happened. One is the curtain in the Holy of Holies tore in two, and this curtain is like four feet thick, it's impossible, but it tears in two, and that a bunch of dead bodies rise from the dead. But you never heard any more. <laughs> so, I don't know. I can't tell you any more of that because it doesn't really say anything more. But you go, wow. Okay. Well, it's, um, it's just, it's, what's interesting about that, in, in know that you're the one true God. This, the history that the Bible is carrying within itself. There are so many things where it's, you're like, huh? Like, it just says, uh, and they were giants. Yeah. And you're like, and that's sentence. And you're going, what? What are you talking about? And we don't want to go in those lines because there's giants and they eat people. Next thing, right? And you're going, but, but, you know, I want to know more about the giants. And yeah. there, there's all kinds of that sort of stuff where it's just, you just get this little thing. Like, <laughs> What's that? Yeah, but I want more, more than that. But 
Talk about metaverse. <laughs> it's just expanding. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but again, okay, so do we believe it or not? You know? All right, people rose from the dead. Is it critical to know more than that? Apparently not. <laughs> yeah, we don't get to know more than that. He'll right. get it. <laughs> Anybody else? Um, just make sure. That's yeah. why I asked the question. If you could go back in time, where would you go? I said the resurrection in three to 40 days. I'll yeah. just reconfirm by the right. That's <laughs> definitely where I would go. Yeah. You know, if I could, the, um, yeah. you know, the beginning of 17 says at the top, it says, high priestly prayer. Yeah. And it was so fitting for you to really read Hebrews. Hmm. Because, and it, it is just, it is just laying on me. It says that Jesus is our high priest, period. And and it says then in verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. That is extremely refreshing for me. Mm. Jesus knows my weaknesses. Mm. Hallelujah. I mean, that's, just, that's a wonderful thing. But the one, Jesus, who has been tested in every way, as we are, yet is without sin. He's been tested in in all the ways that we get tested. And he and he did it without sin. That gives me great hope that maybe one day I won't sin when I'm tempted. Then it goes on to say, therefore in verse sixteen, therefore let us approach the throne of grace with Boldness. Approach the throne of grace with boldness. Mm. Wow. Don't be afraid. Get on your knees. Ask for that grace. Ask for that mercy. Ask for your forgiveness. That's the boldness that he that the writer of Hebrews is asking right here. Approach the grace. Approach the throne of grace with boldness. So that may we receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Man, that is just beautiful. Mm. That is just beautiful. I need to share it. I'm going to hang on to this for a long time. That's Hebrews what? Hebrews Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Thank you for sharing that insight. Glenn, why, why do you think that that whole concept of approaching boldly is so critical? Because it, it, it's putting yourself aside. Right. But, but what, is, what is the thing that would keep us from being bold in our approach? Because we're too preoccupied with our own stuff for mm-hmm. fear of God. <laughs> yeah, shame. Yeah, shame. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, uh, I mean, I had a lot of shame. I carried a lot of shame mm-hmm. for a lot of years until... Yeah. I actually finally understood forgiveness. This was in my in my late forties. That I finally understood what forgiveness really was. And once I really understood that God really did forgive my sins, then I said to myself, I said, Well, God, I need to forgive my own sins. I need to forgive my sins. Yeah. And that just 
That was just like something that just made my head spin. Mm -hmm. But once I was able to say, you know, I have to forgive myself. It's like my, I got rid of the shame Mm -hmm. that was associated with, with that. And if those thoughts ever come into my head ever again, I, I'd say sometimes out loud, Satan, remove yourself from me in the name of Jesus. Because that's the only one that is going to bring that shame back. Yep. And that's where we have the authority. As Christians, we have the authority over, over Satan from the standpoint of him trying to come into my head and put something in my head. I can tell him, hey, get on me. Say it in, in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you say it in the name of Jesus... And my, my, my mind just switches right away. It's like a, it's like a light switch. Right. It just turns. Right it's away. a miracle. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it just, yeah. It's and we, we know that Jesus was, you know, as much as, as hard as we get tempted, right? He was, he was God. Right? And right. Yet he was vulnerable in the flesh. Right. So Satan was gonna, his temptation was, we can't even imagine. Way more than right. yeah. There's only three, what, three or four in here that we know of? He was out there for 40 days. Right, right. And there's a cup bleeding, sweating blood is, is purely a result of the, the level of the temptation. Right. You know, I, I love what you shared yeah, with about adding to it. But an example is the boldness that you just talked about that you personally, Glenn, can come to God, the boldness that we all have is also, I would say, that is also the gift we've been given as believers to, in boldness, go with someone who we can pray in boldness for them to God who doesn't know how to do that. I was talking to, I was doing a pastoral counseling thing today, and I was going to mention names but of someone who was who I was talking to, who is doing exactly that. One person's coming alongside someone in our congregation who's had the most horrendous loss you can have, and has just felt called to come alongside that person. And what they're doing is in boldness praying for that person and praying the prayer you just said about Satan, get away in the name of Jesus. And come and, and bring mercy to this person, and doing that with the person, right. and it's just it's beauty. I mean, that's like it's like taking this and not just for you, but be able to do it for someone else. Right. Yeah. And the the priesthood thing is important. The high priest fits in, and you were talking about why didn't these Sadducees and Pharisees believe they were priests? But Jesus comes along and says, "I'm the high priest." He took all the priesthood and went. <laughs> Garbage can. <laughs> so no more priesthood. Eliminated yeah. them. Well, you said no more priesthood, and he also says in Peter that all of us are now priests. And I'm thinking of the Catholic that. Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Priest. Right. Yeah. What do you do? We you confess your sin, you go to confess to a priest in a booth. You, right here, you, you go we, to? We go direct with boldness. Very good, yeah. What I heard you say, Glenn, too, is, is that Pride is the prison we lock ourselves into, and it's not until we have the boldness to find humility that that prison door can be opened 
and we can have true relationship. Right. And that's that's self-sacrifice, <laughs> basically, because pride it's so destructive, and there's so much power in humility. Right. Did um did you did we finish that you had asked a question or something like that? I just said no, whether we did really. Yeah, yeah you more than answer. Okay, all right. Just follow through with that. Yeah. Anybody else? Um, any other thoughts? Yeah, Caleb. Um, Caleb has something. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but that's I had a word of knowledge. <laughs> 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 no, no, I'm good. Yeah. Still chewing on that. Yeah. Yeah. What a what an incredible thing to be able to sit here. In the presence of the Holy Spirit, and talk about these things and learn. Mm-hmm. It, it, how many people in the world would give anything to know that? Well, and that's and why. It, I mean, it, and it's still absolutely right. accessible if you ask. Yeah, and you know, you get frustrated, and we get frustrated sometimes that we get very heady about this, talking about maybe going a little too deep. I, it's okay. Yeah, it is. It's okay to go a little too deep as long as we don't sit there and just get all academic about it. But sometimes you gotta really wrestle with this stuff and go, you know, what does this mean, God? And, and pray for the Spirit to sort of reveal that mm-hmm. and just wrestle with it. Because if Tom brought this up, this, look, this chain that's going on. And the chain is all about words. Mm-hmm. It's all about the Father speaking words to Jesus. Who speaks words to us, and where to take those words to speak into others. So, wrestling with the words in here is is really wrestling with Jesus and saying, "I want to know you more. I want to love you more." And ultimately, uh, the deeper we can go, the more we understand ourselves and what and that relationship. Because how do you get to know the Father? You had answered that for me quite clearly when I said that. Right. Yeah. You, you, I mean, we have to take it another step uh, from what Jason, you just said. Like you were saying earlier, it, it, we're in a training camp. And yeah. this isn't just for us. We're, we are disciples and we now need to go out. I mean, for us to articulate you know this in here with a friendly um, crowd is challenging. How challenging is it to a non-believer when we go out? When they, if the subject was brought up, we have to explain it to them. And I really wrestle with that. That's that's a this is a wonderful venue, as Gil was saying. It's just totally unique yep. for us to be in here. Not only can we hear it, but we can articulate it and try to understand it and make you understand. You're trying to make me understand. It's just like that's the whole deal. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Sometimes we don't. I mean, you guys. We well, ask well, sometimes yeah, you gotta, it's, you're not going to get it for years, maybe. <laughs> but whatever. If we're going to try it, cherry on top. Yeah, you're right. It does not get any better than this right. in humanity. In life experience, this doesn't get any better. On, on everything you're just saying, can we take a quick look at four and five? Okay, just of, to, just of, of John seventeen four yeah, and five. Sure. So he. It's so cool because it's when you really just break these things down, right? Yes, he's speaking to God, but at the same time, they're totally so simple if we read them accordingly. I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So what does that mean to us? 
Okay. How do we glorify God? Huh? Maybe the same exact way. Right? And then, and now, as a result of that, Father, glorify me in your presence, in, in your own presence, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And what do we know about ourselves? We were with God from the beginning as well. Right? So, all we're doing is looking to glorify God, having completed the work He's given us to do here on this earth, in order for us to retake our spot in heaven, in His throne, with Him, where we have been from the beginning. It's completing a circle. Yeah, just, he just, he just says it. Through eternity. It's, it's amazing. We were there at the beginning. Yep. Yes. That's what Scripture says. He's chosen us from the beginning. Yes. I think it's there's positional. some... It's a positional yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Because I still have to live, abide. Correct. Yeah. As Christ had to. Yeah. Right? I choose. What, what, if, what if he had just gone in through the midst of it? You know, you know what? No. Lucifer <laughs> might have been on to something. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um... One of the things I memorized will give you a little different perspective on this, but will carry the day, I think. Behave honorably. You will be held personally accountable if you behave improperly. And concurrently, your colleagues and organization will all also share in your shame. So... Our conduct is really important because the collateral damage that happens was not behaving properly and following Jesus with those around us. That gives, will corrupt those around us because of the shame that we bring by not following according to the path. Well, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. In 1 Corinthians 8, I was talking to someone just recently that we're talking about how what we do in the world makes a difference. Yes. And so that difference can also be in a negative way. And it says in First Corinthians, say, don't, Paul says, and this is really hard for us. I mean, it is don't cause someone else to fall. Yeah. That is one of the greatest sins that it talks about in the New Testament is not just our own sin, but doing something that's going to cause someone else to do, to do that. Yeah, so... So there's a big responsibility that comes to walk the line. Right. Which is, again, I think goes back to, you know, why are we here? It's try yeah. to wrestle with God and say, how do we follow him like Jesus did? You know, yeah. Can you repeat that again? What you said? Say again. Can you repeat it again? <clears throat> behave honorably. You will be held personally accountable if you behave improperly. And concurrently... Your colleagues and organization will also carry the burden of your shame. Is that is that from from uh, the Navy? It, it's a little book that I have oh. of, of uh, ethical axioms. Oh. What I like about that one is most of the ones you, most of the ones you have memorized are all sort of in the positive. You know, the this is a, this is Navy. like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Consequential. Yeah, right. It's hard for us to grasp the weight of, of an, on the heavenly level of our misdeeds. Amen. That's right? why our but, sins but, really are, it's like Glenn said, 
we we really got to be grateful our sins are forgiven. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, there is a definitive repercussion from them. Oh, right, right away here yes. in the world around us. Yeah. yeah. That is very tangible. Yeah. And you will You'll reap what you sow. Yeah, well, exactly. That's what Paul said. You reap what you sow. Now I'm like, here. Back to uh, Caleb, you know, if you want a little more, you ask, do you remember what you asked me a minute ago? It's like, are, are, were we gods in his hands from the beginning? Oh, no, I asked, we were at the beginning. So that's, yeah, I, I never heard that. And, you know, there's a scripture here that we've been talking about that infers that. It's verse 6, and it's just a bit in there. I manifested thy name unto the men whom thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were. Mm -hmm. What? (laughs) We were in God's hands before Jesus came and told us all these things. In the spirit realm, we were saved... We were saved in, in God's hands in advance. Okay. Pre, foreknowledge. And Gil had tripped out a little bit on, on something that, yeah, that is really far out. When you go, I'm not praying for everyone. I'm praying for the people that you've chosen to yeah. give to me. Yeah. Right? And and Greg and I had a conversation about this a couple of weeks ago that I was, like, struggling with that a, a little bit. And... Um, it's, well, it's not for us to judge who those people are. That was a yeah. really good conversation. It's like, our job is to do the work regardless, and we don't get to judge who or know who those people are or not. We just keep going. Well, it's it very controversial. He whom he predestined. Right. Which is, again, we don't get, we don't know. We don't we know who that know. is, but it, right. that's a, a one thing that really stumbles Helps people, makes people stumble when they're trying to understand about Christianity. Calvinism. Yeah. And it's, and it's just like the, the Judas in this, in this. Like, I didn't lose anyone except the, for the guy that was needed to make prophecy be fulfilled. <laughs> the son of destruction. I'm like, whoa. Poor Judas. On the other hand, we're judging that from a fleshly perspective. Yeah. Right? All right, thank, so thank you, Father, for just keeping us with you. Thank you. Thank you for the things that have been said tonight. Thank you for things being revealed from each person honestly from their heart. We love you and we are with you and we thank you for choosing us. Amen. Can I read the scripture? And if it hadn't been Judas, it would have been me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thank you, Judas, for taking the bullet. (laughs) So the scripture that we were talking about is is from Romans 8. I'll read three verses. And we know, and this is famous, but it precedes the nugget. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. Yeah. 
Mm. And then something that just makes me think of you, Gwen, the next verse is, what shall we say to these things? <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you say to this? You know? Glenn, if, Glenn said it by going to that verse. For us, who can be against us? So I want to, as we sort of close, I want to go back to what Dale opened us with. Um, He asked a really, really good question, which is, who is them? All right. So I want you guys to look at verse 6. Okay. Notice this says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you have, who you gave me out of the world. Okay. So my question is, who are those people? I want you to think about today. Who are those people? All right. And it says, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept my word. So how do you know who these people are that the Father, as the Father gave to to Jesus? How do you know you? Are one of those people. You will know them by their fruit. Well, they've kept the word. Okay, all right. So they kept the word. I want you to go by what it says here. All right. This is what we're all discussing. I mean, he just said it. They kept the word. Okay. So I want you to now look at verse seven. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. How else do we know? The word, we are that, uh, we are those people, the them, <laughs> that Dale's talking about. How do we know that we are the them that have been chosen? Because we have been talking about here, we know that everything that's been given to Jesus is from the Father. We've been learning all that through John, right? Okay. So the last thing is I want you to look at verse 8. Because verse 8, again, it goes back to the story that you just read. Verse 8 tells us who the them is. They've kept the word. They know Jesus is of the Father. But notice what verse 8 says. For I have given them the words that you gave me. So, what are those words? The Logos. Scripture. Scripture. Right? Okay. So what are the words that we've been given by Jesus from the Father? We have these words. But what are we supposed to do with those words? Receive them. Yeah. Hmm? Love it. Well, but look at, yeah, but, okay, yeah. So hang in there and look at what it actually, what it says. Okay. What are you supposed to do with the words? And they have kept them. Well, received them. Okay, so the very first thing we have to do with these words, which is why we're here, going back to, again, I say this every once in a while, why are we here on Tuesday night? Because we're receiving, and hopefully not just hearing the words, but we're receiving those and accepting those. I think all of you were, we're all doing that. We see that happening here. We're all like wrestling with the words and we're saying, wow, what does this mean? So we're receiving the word, and we after we receive it, you have come to know the truth. In truth. Yeah. Have come what? To know in truth that I came from you. So what do we have when we've been studied these words? We come to that certainty in us 
that we know that Jesus is from the Father, because he's telling us it. But then the last part is you can't just receive it, you can't just know it, you have to then believe it. Believe it. And, so, and going back to what does the word believe mean? And let's go back all the way in John. What's the word believe in John? It's the word pistis. And what does the word pistis mean? The main meaning of the word pistis is what? It is, Eric, you, you remember this. It is allegiance. It is who is your Lord? Who are you allegiant to? Who is telling you how to live your life? Who are you following, as Jason said? It all comes, belief is an active. Remember John, in, in John, it's really what Caleb just said. You've got to like act on it and live it. Belief is the not just the head thing, it is the saying, I'm going to show in my life that Jesus is my Lord. You described it as believe into something. It, it can be it can be believe into. Yeah. But you can think of it, it's allegiance to a person ultimately, which is Jesus. I mean, he is, he's the one where we are, it's not just, oh, I get my ticket to heaven, it's that he is the one that we listen to these words and we receive them. We know for certainty Jesus is the one who's given these words to the Father, and then we pissed us. <laughs> when you talk, when you went through that, I was thinking in my mind of an analogy of football. Uh-huh. And then, uh huh. Football hmm. teams and the names of the players. What? What? Who are the guys that catch the passes? Receivers. Oh, interesting. Ah. And who are the who are the players that never catch passes? Uh-huh. I know the other guys, the guards. And the those, they're the chosen, <laughs> and they're the not chosen. And what's fascinating about this room is, is, it, and I think I know the guys in here well enough to say this: everyone in here is a receiver. Think of a friend of yours who's not a believer, and you throw him the word. What's he do with it? Yeah, yeah. And that concerns me. You just you don't want to catch that. I don't want to hear that. But what are, but what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to keep throwing passes. The passes. Because maybe someone doesn't catch it this time, or they'll catch it next time. But if you throw it hard enough right in the you. gut, they're just <laughs> going to have to instinctively grab it. Or what I thought he was going to say is, you throw it, and he didn't catch it, but the other guy does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can happen too, right? <laughs> it's like, wait, I, I didn't, okay. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there that are predestined that don't know. Yeah. I, I love your metaphor, but I'll take that even go further with Paul, where he says we're running a race, right? And get to the finish line. Make the goal. So we're taking the the ball, ball we're receiving it, and the knowing here is I know where I gotta go. I gotta go to the goal line. And you can't just know it, you then gotta go there, which is the believing really, which is what you said. And think of the mind of the non believer, maybe that's why he's not catching the ball. He he knows that that goal is the end result. If I catch that I have to run it to the end. Oh I don't want to run it to that end. Or I'm gonna absolutely The implications of catching the ball are are, are, the the last thing most of them are thinking about is, I could score a touchdown. They're thinking, I'm going to get hit by a dude running 60 miles an hour that's, you know, just destroying me. But, Jason, who cares? Because of what Glenn said. 
No. We have a high priest. If you're a believer. Oh, I know. If you're a believer. That's right. And or is going to keep the guy from, from touching him. you got some tip yeah. on him. Yeah. All right. Well, let me, I'm going to close in prayer. Yes. Uh-huh. You're an algebra football thing. They have to believe in themselves if they're going to be successful. And if you listen to Ed Ogeron in the 2019 LSU football team, his one thing was one heartbeat, one team. One heartbeat, one what? One heartbeat, one heartbeat. Whole yeah. team has one oh. heartbeat. I, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, yeah. Yeah. that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and I love them, even as you love me. Glenn, you want to close this in prayer? Absolutely. Thank you. May I read a, a song? Thank you may. Absolutely. This is a beautiful song. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to be able to come together as uh, Christian men, Lord. And uh, we were wrestling a lot today, and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing because uh, we learn new things, and uh, and uh, we we certainly can feel your presence in the in the midst of our wrestling, Lord. And if I may read this song, Rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God, my strong rock. My refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before Him. God is your refuge. Lord, we say all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.